0: From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And away we go. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak and a peg, grab a stool and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. The legendary Jim Mars is standing by from the great Republic of Texas. He'll join us momentarily as we commemorate the anniversary of 9-11. Just staring through the glass uh, at my young technical producer, Ian Robertson. Uh, How old would you have been, Ian? Two, maybe? I don't know. I have socks that are older than you. But do you have any recollections of 9-11? Any at all? yeah I was in school <laughs> you were what grade was grade one grade one okay yeah. so b- barely registered probably you yeah, knew something maybe was a little off I that day to able but to stay home and you were probably terrifying. you were yeah. probably shielded from the the, the yeah. truth as you should have been Yeah. Wow it's hard to believe yeah unless people are let's say 27 maybe they they really probably have no discernible memories of 9 eleven and we'll get into that. Uh, here in a moment. Speaking of which, for those of you listening who attended my live event this afternoon, Where Did the Towers Go? with uh, Dr. Judy Wood. Thank you one and all for coming out. And I have to tell you, I am still coming down from the event. What can I say about Dr. Wood's presentation? Spellbinding? Absolutely compelling? And you know, I mentioned this in, in, when I introduced her this afternoon. You know, she has been called a kook, a fraud, a disinfo agent. And by whom? Forget the mainstream media. Quite frankly, Dr. Judy Wood doesn't get mentioned in the mainstream media. Um, she's being called these things, by and large, by some in the 9-11 truth movement. Uh, you know, the Stephen Jones, the Alex Jones, the Richard Gages, uh, all people who I've interviewed uh, on, the, on the program, uh, and I have a lot of time for, for all of them. Um, and um, I, I interviewed Judy Wood when her, her book came out many years ago, Where Did the Towers Go?, so I know what she's on about, and I understand you know she challenges the uh, official alternative, I call it the official alternative version of 9/11, which is controlled demolition and nanothermite. Um, and I was on side with that for a very long time. I have to tell you though, the way she laid out her argument this afternoon and her PowerPoint presentation, home run, knocked it out of the park for me. And I, I said uh, this, this afternoon be, before I introduced Dr. Wood, the 9/11 truthers, not all of them, but some, are using the same tactics against Dr. Wood that they accuse the mainstream media of using against them. So the slave has become the tyrant, and I, um, I just want to go on record. I, I think it is time. I uh, know I don't think I know. It is time for Dr. Judy Wood to get a fair hearing by the 9/11 truthers and Richard Gage and Alex Jones and Stephen Jones and others. Uh, they need to actually sit down, read her book, examine her evidence, and uh, I encourage all of you to start looking into Dr. Wood's work: evidence of the of uh, directed free energy on 9/11. Uh, no, we're not talking about lasers mounted on sharks. Uh, yeah. uh, the technology to dustify the dustification of two 110-story buildings uh, plus most of Building Four. Uh, parts of five and six. You can, uh, anyway, you can see it with your own eyes when you watch the videos of those, of the buildings coming down. You can see the steel girders dissolving into dust as they descend to the ground, like, well, this is Dr. Judy Wood's description, I think is very apt. They look like Elka Seltzer tablets in a glass of water. And when you look at it, it, finally, it, 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 it dawned on me, my God, that's true. All right, for the next uh, 40 minutes or so, we're going to discuss, as I mentioned earlier... 9/11. What else on the 15th anniversary? And here to help us uh, do it uh, really is, uh, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know the pantheon of of researchers in this field, and he's in. He's at the top of the pantheon as far as as I'm concerned. Jim Mars is a native of Fort Worth, Texas. He earned a bachelor of arts degree in journalism from the University of North Texas in 1966. Did I say that out loud? And attended graduate school at Texas Tech in Lubbock, Lubbock, Texas, for two years more. He's worked for several Texas newspapers, including the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, and uh, served as a police reporter, general assignment reporter. Uh, Moving ahead, 2007, he retired from the University of Texas at Arlington, where he had taught a course on the Kennedy assassination since 1976, and of course, his 1989 book, Crossfire. The plot that killed Kennedy was published to critical acclaim, reached the New York Times paperback nonfiction bestseller list, and it became a basis for the Oliver Stone film, JFK. He served as a chief consultant for both the film screenplay and the production. Uh, other notable works, of course, Alien Agenda, Rule by Secrecy, The War on Freedom, The Terror Conspiracy, Above Top Secret, The Rise of the Fourth Reich, one of my favorites. And uh, we should mention that his um, a book, which just came out um, a short time ago, Population Control, How Corporate Owners Are Killing Us, has just been released as uh, as soft cover. Uh, Jim Mars, welcome. How are you, my friend?
1: Hey, Richard. It's always a pleasure to be with you.
0: Likewise. All right, here we are, uh, 15 years on. And I mentioned, you know, there's um, the, uh, the 9-11, uh, those of us, you know, that, that are still concerned about it, most of us, but it's kind of divided into a number of camps. There's the... The, uh, the nanothermite, the controlled demolition camp, There's there are those who, who steadfastly cling to the official version, two planes slammed into the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fifteen years on, I mean, how... Uh, has, has your position oh, okay. moved?
1: All right. Are you ready? Are you ready for the answer? I am. The answer is yes, all of the above.
0: <laughs> all right. <laughs> so. this,
1: is, this is why, Richard, I don't understand why that the... Uh, I mean, we're having trouble enough getting the uh, great unwashed masses out there to understand that two aircraft cannot bring down three buildings okay and they, and you go and they go what and you go yeah building 7 the Solomon brothers building you know it collapsed at 5:30 on the afternoon of September the 11th 2001 and uh, it was not hit by airplanes and they go what Because a lot of people, I mean a lot of people, are still unaware that three buildings went down in New York. So we have problems enough right there without squabbling amongst ourselves over was it thermite, was it nanothermite, was it conventional cutters, was it nukes, was it particle beam weapons, energy-directed weapons, because the answer is yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm pretty convinced, Richard, that they used a combination of exotic technology, much of which is not known to the public, which is what allowed them to pull off the 9-11 attack, the 9-11 terrorist operation, and uh, get away with it. Because uh, not only were they using nanothermite, which is not generally known except to the Building demolition experts. Um, they were also using uh, small, uh, shaped, charged nukes. And if people think, well, that's impossible, they, because, see, most people think of a nuclear bomb, they think of that picture of Little Boy that we dropped on Hiroshima, and it was, you know, this great, big, huge, fat looking bomb. Right. But um, I recall when I was a kid in the 50s. Uh, seeing newsreels where they were shooting atomic artillery shells, they had a big old cannon they called the Long Tom, and they would fire that cannon, and then ten miles downrange, they would there would be a small tactical nuclear explosion. So they had uh, nukes the size of artillery shells, which is what maybe two or three foot long, and uh, oh a foot or two around. Okay, that was in the 50s. So the idea that today they have many nukes that uh, are about the size of a small basketball or maybe an enlarged baseball or softball, you know, that that they have those. This is the current technology. We just, the popular, the uh, public is not popularly aware of that, Okay. So you put this, you put these mini nukes in the basement where there is plenty of testimony that there were explosions in the basements of the World Trade Center towers. Okay, um, the uh, I believe it was uh, um, Mike Piccararo who said that he went up uh, uh, up through the basements after being knocked down by an explosion. That was here. a
0: janitor, right? Yes,
1: and uh, went to a machine shop, and there was a huge drill press that had been just disintegrated, okay? Now, you take those mini uh, nukes, you put them in the basement with a shape charge. They take out those 47 steel girders that are the spindle, the, the prop, the, that hold up those buildings. This would allow them to come down. Then you use your thermite to take care of all of the support uh, beams, and then you use your conventional cutter charges to take care of the rest, and the whole thing would just totally collapse uh, because there is no, uh, there's nothing holding up the weight. Now this is what happens, okay? But now also you have to ask yourself, what about the toilets? <laughs> Let's talk toilets for a minute. There weren't have you any. Never tried there to any. destroy a toilet. Exactly. You know, you can beat on it, you can smash it to pieces, you can kick it all around, but it's not easy to destroy a toilet. And think how many toilets were in this 110 story building. Think how many metal filing cabinets were Mm, in that building. Telephones. What happened? Did you ever see a telephone? No. No. Now, you got a 110 story building, and, and it got hit by a plane, it caught fire, and it collapsed. That's what we're told it should have left a debris pile of more than ten stories. Mm -hmm. And yet all we saw was less than two stories, and it was just a few desultory ruins and debris. What happened to all of the mass of those buildings? Obviously, there was something else going on, and uh, I don't think we should rule out Judy Wood or others who talk about um a directed energy weapon, because I know we're working on that. In fact, Richard, I'm going to cut you in on a secret, you and your uh, listeners.
0: Hold on to that secret, Jim. Hold on to that secret. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. Jim Mars, Rule by Secrecy, The Rise of the Fourth Reich, Alien Agenda, The Terror Conspiracy, Above Talks, Secret, Crossfire the Plot That Killed Kennedy, and now available in paperback, Population Control, How Corporate Owners Are Killing Us. Stay with us. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. So delighted to have Jim Mars with us. And who else uh, as we commemorate the uh, the 15th anniversary of uh, the 9-11 attacks? And again, just a reminder, Population Control, How Corporate Owners Are Killing Us. Uh, now available in soft cover. And uh, actually, I think that was the last time you came uh, to Toronto, Jim. Uh, you, your presentation had everything to do with uh, population control.
1: Um, that's correct. Now. And, uh, that's why I think this may be one of my more important books, uh, reading about Kennedy assassination, reading about plots and conspiracies and uh, the rise of the Fourth Reich, the way that the Nazis were brought in over to North America and rolled into our Government and our military-industrial complex. These are all really, really interesting, important stories. But, you know, uh, population control, this this gets beyond politics. It gets beyond philosophies. Uh, We're talking self-defense. If you want to protect yourself and your family and your loved ones, you better find out what they're doing to you, what they're putting in your food, what they're putting in your water, what they're spraying in your air. Uh, what they're putting in your vaccines, and you better learn what, what they're doing so you can protect yourself.
0: Uh, indeed. And um, before the break, you were about to let us in on a big secret. We were talking, uh, first of all, we were you were sort of itemizing all those things that should have been found in a debris uh, a pile when a building collapses, like toilets, like filing cabinets, like telephones. Mm-hmm. Naria 1 was found. Which tends to, uh, you know, which to me is is evidence of a of of some sort of directed uh, energy.
1: Right. Something disappeared them. Okay. Yes. Now what is it? Okay. Judy Wood actually makes, and I've met her and talked with her, interviewed her, and she makes a a very cogent argument uh, for a some sort of a um, energy weapon. Uh, the place where I think she's theorizing and, and may have caused her some trouble is because she, as I recall, she was saying that she thought it may have come from a space-based weapon, from a satellite, okay? I, without going into a long song and dance, I have very good reason to believe that a particle beam disintegrator-type weapon was being developed at... Uh, at. Uh, Brookhaven National Laboratory on Long Island, in the center of the island there. Okay? In 1989, this weapon was tested and used to bring down a UFO. Uh, in 1992, it was tested again and brought down a UFO that crashed in South Haven Park and, and caused a huge big fire there that actually made national news. But, of course, they didn't mention the UFO. They just said it was a big fire. Uh, in 1996, I believe, it, this same weapon was tested uh, 65 miles out uh, southeast of Long Island uh, at a test area designated Tango Billy. And it was a military exercise where they shot a missile at a drone aircraft. And the purpose of the test, of course, what they've been trying to do for years see if they could stop a missile in flight. And so they fired the missile at the drone, and the disintegrator beam, the particle beam accelerator from Brookhaven, was used to see if they could stop that missile. Unfortunately, the TWA-800, which had had a minor minor malfunction and was late taking off, climbed into the trajectory of this beam weapon and was knocked down in friendly fire. That was the TWA 800. And, of course, they couldn't admit to what happened there. Because that was our most top secret weapons testing. Okay, but everybody with the TWA told the truth. People who said there was a missile, there was. People who saw a drone aircraft or a mystery aircraft, there it was. People who saw a light in the sky, that was the beam weapon. So everybody, even the government told the truth to a limited degree. They said a spark got in a central fuel tank and uh, blew up the airplane, which is true. But why did the spark get in a central fuel tank? And it's because the beam weapon hit the aircraft and fried the onboard computers and everything was sparking and flashing and valves were opening and closing. And that's how the spark got in the fuel tank. Now, that was the TW-800. Now. If they could use that as a disintegrator beam and they could use it uh, at a target 65 miles to the southeast, all I su- I suggest, all they had to do was turn that weapon a little further south and it's only 25 miles to the World Trade Center buildings. And I think that was what was used to spray those buildings and disintegrate. You, you mentioned yourself. Uh, Richard, the fact that there are films showing steel girders that do not fall over—they simply disintegrate in midair.
0: Dustification is what she calls it. Yeah, like a, like an Elka Seltzer tablet in a glass of water.
1: Yep, and it just it just it just blows blows away. It disintegrates, and that's why. So. What happened on 9-11 is they were using exotic technology only known in the inner circles of the military-industrial complex, and therefore they could come out with any screwy uh, cover story, uh, something along the lines of the single-bullet theory, and nobody was in a position to say, well, no, that's not right, because here's what it was, because we didn't know. And I'll tell you another thing. There was an exotic technology was not known at the time that was used on 9-11 that's very important to understand how that happened, and that is the remote computer capture of onboard uh, flight computers on aircraft. All right, tell me more. 1980s, I was uh, interviewing a pilot for a commercial airliner, and uh, after the interview we were just talking and he said you know my job's redundant and i said well what do you mean he said well he said the these new planes these new wide-bodied boeing jets said uh they they're they're fly by wire they're fly by computer Mm -hmm. you know the computer flies the airplane he said i'm just there in case the computer breaks and so i'm going wow you know so i did some study Well, come to find out this is true now, here's a bad analogy, but if you're using a CB radio and you're talking to somebody and I come along uh, and I have a much stronger CB signal than you, then that's what they call I step on you, okay? Right. right. You, the person listening is going to hear me. They're not going to hear you because my signal is stronger. They can take stronger signals, and they can intercept an airplane's computer, and they can enter that computer, take over the computer. In fact, uh, in my book, The Terror Conspiracy Revisited, I quote uh, the head of British Airways, who in early 2001 said, you know, the era of, of uh, airline hijacking is over with. He said, because now we can capture the onboard computer remotely and we can guide the aircraft to a safe landing regardless of the desires of the hijackers or even the flight crew.
0: This is amazing, uh, Jim, that you're bringing this up now because I I wanted to mention this because after the event today, uh, uh, Patrick and Kadena from Conspiracy Culture and and Judy and I, we went to dinner, and Judy has had a conversation with someone in... um, uh, a pilot, I believe it was, saying the, the exact same thing. I remember, too, she, she brought up, back in the 70s, it almost became a cliché. It was every week there was a plane being hijacked and diverted to Cuba. Yeah. Uh, and, and she went back and she said, in 1974 there were 50 planes hijacked and diverted to places like Cuba. Then all of a sudden, at some point, late 70s, early 80s, it stopped. And what you're talking about, that's the reason. That's the, the reason. Standard equipment on Boeing... Uh, uh, aircraft, pilot what? Punches in a code and uh, he hears someone pounding on the door, let us in, we're taking over. He punches in that code or she punches in that code and now the control of the airplane goes to the tower. That's right. There's and nothing there's a hijacker can do.
1: Can control that airplane.
0: You cannot hijack a modern air, uh, airplane.
1: That's true. By the way, and then add insult to injury, uh, pilots uh, for 9-11 Truth managed to get hold of some of the black box recordings on the flight that uh, uh that they said hit the Pentagon and what they found was in all the parameters there that the uh flight uh, deck door had not been opened during flight well wait a minute <laughs> The flight deck door hadn't been opened, How did the how did hani Honjor get in the cockpit and guide that plane to the Pentagon? Exactly. Of course, of course, the ball face fact is is that no plane hit the Pentagon. There were eighty two security cameras all on and around the Pentagon. And that afternoon before the afternoon before the sun went down, the FBI had grabbed all of that and we have never seen any of it.
0: Well we saw one sort of very fragmented video. I don't know if it Six, came from a
1: fifteen frame Yeah,
0: from a shell station or something across the road.
1: Right. And what I love is I remember watching Bill O'Reilly. And for two or three days, he was saying, we now have the film of the plane hitting the Pentagon, and we'll put to rest all of these crazy conspiracy theories, and we're going to show that tomorrow night or whatever. And, and then they actually ran those 16 frames, and then Bill O'Reilly himself said, I didn't see a plane.
0: <laughs> Good for him. Good for him.
1: The <laughs> other uh, you don't. while We don't talk- see a plane. <laughs> uh, also, let me mention this. Richard, you know as well as I do, after every major air disaster, they come along and they pick up every single little piece of that aircraft that they can find, and they take it to a big hangar, and they reassemble it, okay? Right. So that they can try to determine what exactly caused that crash so we can prevent future occurrences. Show me a picture of the debris of uh, that flight that they said hit the Pentagon. Put together in a hangar, and I will shut up about the Pentagon. But you haven't seen it, and you're not going to see it because there was no plane involved.
0: Well, we all remember, or many of us remember, uh, at least while it was available, and I, it may still be online, I'm not sure. I'm talking about the CNN reporter, Jamie McIntyre, who was on the scene. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. said, there is no evidence this again, you always pay attention to the early reports. I learned this from you years ago jim you you pay attention to those early reports because then they disappear you 'll never hear again hear All from right. them again. Jamie McIntyre on the scene saying no no evidence of a plane crash hitting a building here and uh we saw the footage and again out on the uh, the front lawn there, the Pentagon, no debris, no debris no so what happened did did
1: some Except some for donald Rumsfeld running along with a little bitty piece he's holding in his hand and of course I always wonder you know did he pick it up or was he putting it down
0: <laughs> right so what what happened there did a, some hercules transport plane come by and and drop this stuff on the front lawn
1: oh they they had a they had a few pieces ready to go you know this uh Uh, this was actually a a very well-planned operation. Unfortunately, it didn't come off exactly as they wanted it to. Uh, I think something happened. Uh, The plane went down in Pennsylvania. I think that plane was the one that was uh, supposed to hit uh, uh, Building 7. And so that didn't happen. So at 5:30 that afternoon, suddenly they decided, well, we we we, we got to get rid of the evidence because that's where their command center was. So they dropped Building Seven. That's after, and I have seen the films, newsreels of the firemen coming down the street, going get back, get back. The buildings coming down. How did they know it's coming down? There was only a few desultory fires in a few of the in a couple of the uh, floors, not enough to bring down a building. That building came down straight down in its own footprint in a matter of seconds, free-fall speed. The only way that can happen is with pre-planned demolition. And if Building 7 was brought down by demolition, as stated by Larry Silverstein, he said, we decided to pull it, so we pulled it, okay? And if that was brought down by controlled demolition, then why is it so outrageous to claim that the World Trade Centers were bro- brought down by controlled demolition?
0: Uh, we're going to head into a break here shortly. Let me ask you the question now, and we'll get into the conversation, continue it afterwards. And, and that has to do with the uh, the 28 pages that were finally released this, I think it was uh, July 20th, heavily redacted. Uh, these were from the 1st nine-eleven Commission. This was the one chaired by... Uh, Florida Senator Bob Graham, and the one nobody remembers or pays attention to for some reason, right. uh, and he he tried to subpoena. He had a crack team of investigators. They tried to subpoena all these FBI field agents. They were stonewalled at every turn. They were told, no, you can't interview this person. You can't interview that person. Um, what, what do you make of the? Uh, and the media reports are in those 28 pages. Oh, no smoking gun here. What, what is your take on the on those 28 pages? Anything of use there?
1: No, no, it's all been redacted and it's all been classified and it's all been, it, it's, the whole thing is, it, it. what people don't understand is, when you talk about a conspiracy, if it's a conspiracy, a low-level conspiracy, if it's a few thugs or a criminal gang and you have honest cops and honest FBI and honest, you know, federal marshals, they, they investigate and they can find out the truth of all this stuff. This was controlled at the very top. At the very top, and that's why, by the way, this explains why you have people who had absolutely no direct contact with 9-11, but they were experts in architecture. Uh, they were uh, experts in building construction, building demolition. Uh, a lot of them connected to universities who uh, are dependent upon government grants they're dependent upon government contracts they are all closely tied to the government and when it happens and they look at it and they said this stinks but then they realize that the power is at the top and they don't want to lose their jobs they don't want to lose their contracts they don't want to lose their government grants and as a result this explains why there has been such a resounding silence from people who know better they know what happened, but they know they better not say anything about it.
0: Yes, especially when there's tenure on the line. All right, uh, Jim Morris stays with us. We'll take a time out, come back, and continue to talk about uh, 9/11, the 15th anniversary, and I want to sort of circle back to the uh, uh, the uh, particle beam in Brookhaven. Um, some pretty remarkable things you said there, Jim. We we have to revisit that as well. I'm back with more. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard sand Jim Mars stays with us till the top of the hour, uh, talking about the 15th anniversary of uh, 9-11, and uh, we should also mention once again Population Control, his book that just came out, what, a year and a half, two years ago, now available in soft cover. And um, I want to go back to... Uh, the um, evidence for particle beam uh, a weapon or some sort of advanced exotic technology that was used in nine eleven and you mentioned this installation in Brookhaven uh, on long Island and um, first of all, how did you piece this all together? You talked about the fact that it was used to bring down uh, a uFO uh, uh, and um, i mean how did you piece that together jim
1: well that's uh been o- over a long period of time, uh, going back to the um <clears throat> late eighties, uh, with the success of Crossfire, uh, I asked people all across the country, I said, What do you think's the next big deep dark secret government cover up? And almost unanimously from cab drivers to publishers they said, Well we'd like to know what's the truth about UFOs. So I began to delve back into the UFO issue. I'd been interested in UFOs since a kid in the fifties. I had written about it in the '60s, uh, and in uh, at the uh, newspaper I worked for, I had interviewed uh, J. Allen Hynek and um, uh, various sundry other people connected to the space program and to uh, ufology. And uh, when I got back into it, I got a newsletter from um, up in the Midwest from a fellow who's dead now. But he was a really intrepid investigator, and he was talking about a UFO shootdown that took place in, I want to say, 1989 in Mauritius Bay, uh, which is up in, on Long Island. And he said that they had used a, uh, I think he said a particle beam weapon, uh, and he said it was being developed at Brookhaven, and he had an interview. He interviewed one of the uh, scientists. That were working on this weapon. Uh, so that caught my attention and I kept up with that. In fact, there's a whole story there. There's a fellow, by, I think his name was John Ford, who began to investigate that and began to put out a lot of material about this was, they were using this and they were shooting down these UFOs. Next thing you know, the feds raided him. The FBI were all over him. They said he was a nut and a kook and they put, they put him away. Okay? So um, uh, as far as I know, he's still in jail somewhere, uh, as far as I can tell, for, for trying to tell the truth. But again, you have to understand that they have to keep all this secret because, number one, the, the uh, fact that UFOs being piloted by non humans are traveling in our skies, have been visiting the Earth for millennia, Okay, this is one of the biggest secrets that they're still holding on to, uh, because and the main reason is because they view this exotic technology, they want it for themselves. They want to use it and weaponize it. So this would fall into the category of potential new weaponry, so they have to keep it quiet. And again, this comes back, and then in... Uh, Uh, 1992 I believe it was you can go google it find out about the big fire in South Haven Park Um, and uh, I had gotten word again through this same source that that again had been an instance of where they had shot down a UFO and it crashed in the park and started a big fire Uh, at the time of the TWA um, 800 crash and I was investigating that along with Christina Borgeson of uh, CBS uh, who had been assigned to find out what happened to the TW-800, and we did, and she got fired, <laughs> and that story never came out because, again, it involved the uh, beam weapon, okay? But uh, we were on Long Island one time and heading back to New York, and it was late in the evening, and I saw a sign for South Haven Park, and I remembered the story about the UFO uh, that was shot down in South Haven and uh 92, and I said, pull in the park here, let me see, I said, let's let's drive around, and I said, you know, if if that happened, uh, you know, there'll be fire damage, and we'll see maybe the tops of trees missing, and maybe I can find out for sure if that happened uh, and where it happened, but so when we pulled in the park, though, there was a little uh, park headquarters, I guess, a little building with a car out front, a ranger, park ranger, And I said, well, wait a minute, let's stop here. I said, why drive all around not knowing where we're going? Let me just see what I can find out here. So I went in and the park ranger was in there. And uh, of course, I didn't want to front load him. I didn't want to tell him I'm looking for a UFO. I just said, hey, I'm a reporter. I'm from Texas. And I said, I just happened to be coming by here. And I said, hey, I remember y'all had a big fire here back about 92. And he went, yeah. I said, hey, do you all ever figure out what caused that and what's going on there, you know? And he looked at me <laughs> very suspiciously and he said, you want to know about the UFO, don't you? Mm. And I said, yes, I do. He said, well, I'd like to tell you, he said, because I was on duty that night and I know all about it. He said, but I can't tell you about it. And I said, why not? He said, I've been threatened and I, I could lose my pension. So I said, well, I don't want you to do that. So, um I said, what, what, was there anybody else here? And he said, yeah, I had a partner on that night. said, he doesn't work here anymore. And I said, well, you know, would he be willing to talk with me? And he said, well, let me check. And he goes off in another room and he gets on the telephone. I hear him talking to somebody. He comes back. He said, no, he said he doesn't want to get involved and he doesn't want to talk to you. So that was pretty much the end of that. But as far as I was concerned, that confirmed to me that there was a UFO brought down in South Haven Park. All right. And uh, uh, that, again, supports the idea of the beam weapon that was being developed there at Brookhaven.
0: And uh, they're using them on uh, uh, alien craft, and, they're, and then they're turning around and, and using on them on us, apparently. We'll take a time out when we come back, uh, Jim. Uh, let's talk about... I know you're anxious to talk about the possibility of an alien attack a la Battlefield Earth... Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Welcome back. Jim Morris stays with us till the top of the hour. Population control, how corporate owners are killing us. Just released in softcover, Amazon.com, I'm assuming, Jim.
1: Yes. In fact, it's just now been released. uh, You know, uh, here's one of my big gripes. Uh, You go to Amazon, you look up my book, Population Control, and you're going to find several uh, people who've downgraded it. They they give me a one star or a two star. What? When I read those, uh, it's amazing because they're not commenting on the content of the book. The, The all the. Five stars, four stars, and five stars, they all comment on the book. The people who had cut it down were the people who thought that the cover price was too much. <laughs> and you know what, Richard, in a way, I, I, I tend to agree, maybe it is too much, but they got to understand the author does not set the price of the book the publisher sets the price of the book. So if their complaint is with the cost of the book, it's with the publisher. Don't go on Amazon and downgrade my book because you think the price is too high.
0: (laughs) Excellent point. Excellent point.
1: And yes, you mentioned Battlefield Earth. You know, we've got... um, L. Ron Hubbard was, uh, before he ever got into Scientology, was really quite a prolific science fiction writer. In fact, actually wrote... A lot of things. He wrote westerns, and he wrote thrillers, and he wrote detective stories, uh, and he was right up there with some of the giants in science fiction. I mean, Arthur C. Clarke, and Ray Bradbury, and uh, Isaac Asimov, and he wrote Battlefield Earth, and, and it's, still, it's still worth going to, to, to find, because it was about uh, 3,000 years in the future, and the Earth has been under the subjugation of an alien race. But unlike some of the more recent uh, forays into that kind of fiction, like uh, Independence Day or right. whatever, where they come and they blow up the White House and they blow up the cities and they're trying to kill everybody, in Battlefield Earth it's the, uh, it's the intergalactic bankers who bankroll the intergalactic mining company and, and so that they can afford to buy the mining rights to Earth, so they can come and strip the Earth of of its mineral resources, and of course, the pesky humans are kind of in the way, so, so they're you know relegated uh, uh, down to just a handful and hiding out in the hinterlands. And but it's a wonderful, wonderful story about how that a bunch of downtrodden Earth people can get together and can mount a counter-offensive and win back the earth, uh, you know, for the human race. Um, and so it's as valid now as when it was first written, plus they've got it in a new um, audio version that is mind-blowing because they've got like, I don't know, more than a hundred actors they've got 150,000 sound effects they've got a musical soundtrack it's uh it's all told it's like 47 hours
0: wow uh, uh, but you stuff.
1: see is that how you, you know, see if, if you're commuting you could be you could be listening to this for the next year sure you know, but it's,
0: is that how you see it breaking out, Jim? Do you, is that how you see an alien invasion sort of along those lines that we're going to be enslaved and, and, uh, it's all about, you know, mining the, the minerals and so forth here
1: yeah, on, on Earth? Yeah, they don't care about us. They, what they want is all the resources of the planet. Water, minerals, uranium, gold, silver, you know, whatever. So, uh, uh, and the thing is, it would be, uh, it would be counterproductive and expensive to try to invade another planet and occupy it, you know. But if you can figure out a way to decimate the population covertly mm. so that they don't know what's happening to them. And when I say this, I'm thinking concurrently that, uh, and you're probably well aware of this, Richard, that the male sperm count has yes. been dropping yes, all around the world. It's true. Okay. It's true. And that, uh, and that we have so many things working against us right now. They're chemtrailing. We don't even know for sure what that's about because they won't even admit they're doing it. But we know it's got heavy metals. It's got barium, aluminum oxide, stathium, that they're dropping on us. Um, we have these ailments today like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome and things like that that I never even heard about when I was a kid, you know?
0: Right, EMF.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, of course, the food we're eating, uh, at the rate we're going, uh, within just a few years, probably three-quarters of the population in the United States is going to be obese. Okay? Obese but
0: undernourished. Which is they're kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Because we're eating processed food and it's got a lot of salt in it and a lot of sugar in it. So it tastes great, but there's no nutrition. And that's why people are getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And that's why uh, you go ask anybody in the job opportunities uh, business and they're going to tell you get into medicine. Get into medicine, you know, be a medical therapist, be a, you know, if you're not going to be a doctor, be a nurse. It's you know,
0: recession-proof, a for sure. Medical
1: technician, because everywhere you go, everything, we're now turning into half the country is going to be treating the other half of the country.
0: Well, it's interesting, you know, uh, I've, seen, I've read studies where, where people, I mean, we're living longer, but we're not living uh, better. I mean, people are losing their independence at younger ages, and you see you see people in homes you know in their in their in their early 70s when they should be vibrant and out gardening and enjoying their their golden years
1: right exactly uh, uh, and yet and yet they're in poor uh, poor health and and getting poor
0: and lingering lingering malingering yeah. yes it's terrible to see i hear the uh, the grandfather clock is telling you it's it's bedtime jim so <laughs> That's right.
1: That's right. Time for my meds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, Listen, it's always such a pleasure speaking with you. You And um, always love having you. And, um, again, let's remind people, Population Control, How Corporate Owners Are Killing Us, Uh, now available in uh, soft cover. And,
1: And read Battlefield Earth. It's a great read.
0: Indeed. All right, Jim. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Richard.
0: Jim Mars, always a pleasure. All right, uh, my website is strangeplanet.ca. That's your portal to uh, all of my projects, radio, like this program, TV, live events. Please check it out. And take a moment uh, on the radio page to uh, click on that blue member button. Become a member. And it's cheap, it's free. It doesn't get any cheaper than that. Uh, and it's easy and fast and uh, gains you access to all sorts of member-only areas. Please say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. And as always, follow the truth.